Good afternoon, good evening, good morning, wherever you are. Welcome back to Global Media Network, LLC. Passionate World Talk Radio is a wholly owned subsidiary of GMM LLC. And today on Lest with T, We Forget, host Lisa Skinner will present information on the transgender Society and Lillian Caldwell will be presenting information about transgen kids and how to go shopping for them for clothing and beauty. Yes, beauty products. And at the end, Betsy will make a few of her comments and share some of her own opinions about the transgender society in general. So, Lisa, please start. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to our show. We're so happy to have you here with us today. So the last episode that Lillian and I um, shared with you, which was last Friday, the topic of the noticeable increase in the amount of people, especially children and adolescents that are coming out as identifying as either binary or transgender has increased substantially in like the last few years. And so I did a little more digging because I personally wanted to know what's behind such a significant increase. I mean, we theorized a couple different things last week, but I really wanted to research why um, this is such a noticeable um, change. So I'm bringing that information to everybody today because I figured if I was curious to know, you probably are too. So this is what I found out. Uh, this is an article I found on the internet and the title of the article is called An Explosion. What is behind the rise in girls questioning their gender identity? So, as the NHS reviews gender referral referrals, parents, clinicians, and young people reveal the social, medical, and emotional challenges they face. And this article was written by Amelia Gentleman. And this is from uh, November 24th of 2022, so eight months ago. Okay. So, it starts out saying, earlier this year, a team of NHS researchers was asked to investigate why there has been such a huge rise in the number of adolescent biological girls seeking referrals to gender clinics. According to a study commissioned by NHS England, so this study is coming from the UK, 10 years ago, there were just under 250 referrals, and most of those were boys, to the Gender Identity Development Service, known as GIDS, run by the Tavistock and Portman NHS Foundation Trust in London. Now, listen to this closely. Last year, so I said 200, there were under 250 just 10 years ago. Last year. There were more than 5,000, which was twice the number in the previous year. And the largest group, 
about two-thirds now consist of birth-registered females first presenting in adolescence with gender-related distress, the report says. The review team is looking into the causes behind the considerable increase in the number of referrals and the changing case mix, but is they're not expected to actually publish their findings until next year. So the rest of what this article is um, kind of surfacing is more hypothetical and speculative because the results of the actual study that was done have not been published yet. Uh, they say they have the least information for the largest group of patients which are birth-registered females first presenting in their early teen years. Meanwhile, clinicians and parents are trying to make sense of this whole thing themselves. They Nobody really knows what's behind such a just significant increase in the number of adolescents who are claiming they're in the wrong bodies. So... The rise in number of biological girls seeking referrals to kids was sent out in an interim report by Dr. Hillary Cass. She's a pediatrician commissioned to conduct a review of the services provided by the NHS to children and young people questioning their gender identity. And this trend has been confirmed by clinicians who have spoken to The Guardian, who published this article. They say, she says, in the past few years, it has become an explosion. Many of us feel confused by what has happened, and it's often hard to talk about it to our colleagues, said a London-based psychiatrist working in a child and adolescent mental health unit who has been a consultant for the past 17 years. I might have seen one child with gender dysphoria once every two years when I started practicing. It was very niche and rare. Now, somewhere between 10 and 20% of her caseload is made up of adolescents registered as female at birth who identify as non-binary or trans with just an occasional male registered teenager who identifies as binary or trans. So they're saying that the uh, increase in in female-born subjects is overwhelmingly now larger than what the way it used to be with boy, more boys that identified uh, with the opposite sex. In the last five to 10 years, we've seen a huge surge in young women who, at the age of around 12 or 13, want to become boys. They've changed their name, and they are pressing to have hormones or puberty blockers. We talked about that on last week's show. The psychiatrist added, often those girls are children who are going through the normal identity and developmental problems of adolescence and finding a solution for themselves in this way, which is exactly what Lily and I brought up last last week, that, you know, this is just part of the kind of finding your 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 path, part of maturing. 
uh, greater awareness of trans issues is likely to be one common sense explanation for the rise in requests for referrals. And they, they use the example, which I found kind of interesting. Do you remember, well, at least when I was growing up, if you showed any tendency towards being left-handed, they they switched you. So they use that as an example. They tied your of, hand behind your back. And in the church school that Ben was then attending, they would hit him with a ruler. Oh, my goodness. And then tie his hand behind his back. Note to audience, I complained to the police and filed an assault charge and the church left him alone. Wow. Because they did not have my permission. Yeah, so we're all three baby boomers and that's the way things were if we showed any tendency towards being left-handed when we were in grade school and they would, they firmly believed that that was a... uh, you were in league with the devil. Yeah. So they tried to switch you. Now it's like, who cares? I mean, you're either right-handed or you're left-handed. And it has nothing to do with the devil. Absolutely. So anyway, they, they actually use this as a comparison. Left-handed increased over time as we stopped pushing left-handed children in schools. I've got a couple of grandkids who are left-handed. So, yeah. Um, because some children are naturally left-handed and we are now able to express it, said Cleo Madeline, a spokesperson for the trans support group, Gendered Intelligence. In the same way, now they're comparing it to being transgender, increased visibility and acceptance of trans people has led to a gradual increase in young people who feel comfortable expressing their trans identity. The most important thing is to recognize that this is not a problem to be solved or a bad outcome to be avoided. The mother of a 17-year-old A-level student who came out as a trans at the age of 13, leaving a handwritten letter for his parents on his bed, agreed It's discussed so much more on Facebook and on social media and said, I don't believe that this is any longer considered a taboo. So that's kind of theorizing why we may be seeing. And Lily and I talked about that last week that, um, you know, the, the onset of social media and and access to internet socialization, socialization, um, probably had uh, a lot of influence on the increase we've been seeing. So furthermore, increased awareness may well be a factor, but most of the research in this field has been based on predominantly birth-registered males, not females, which we're seeing now. The CAST report explained that relatively little was known about the causes of gender dysphoria in girls or the outcomes for those who receive treatments. At present, we have the least information for the largest group of patients. I'm repeating this. Birth registered females first presenting in early teen years is what the report said. Since the rapid increase in this group began around the year 2015, they will not reach late 20s for another five plus years 
which would be the best time to assess longer-term well-being. The NHS review will help to shine some light on this issue, but it may be years before a clearer picture emerges. The dilemma for parents has hardly been helped by the confusing guidelines. I think, Lillian, you're probably going to talk a little bit more in depth about that. Yes. They are puzzled by conflicting advice that they're getting from doctors and transgender rights groups about their child may be going through. Could it be a temporary exploration of gender identity? Potentially the manifestation of other forms of distress? Or is it an innate experience for which treatment is required? Like being left-handed. The definition of gender dysphoria is controversial in itself. And in England, there is no consensus among clinicians over whether an adolescent desire to transition should be quickly affirmed or they should be encouraged to pause before changing their name and starting hormone treatment. We brought this up as a very strong point last week. The cash report revealed that there was a lack of agreement and in many instances, a lack of open discussion about the best approach to take. The disagreement and polarization is heightened when potentially irreversible treatments are given to children and young people, when the evidence base underlying the treatments is still inconclusive, it added. It also suggests it is not a neutral act to help children transition socially by using preferred names and pronouns while they explore their gender identity and stresses that more research is needed to gather further evidence on the safety, potential benefits, and harms of these puberty blockers. Lillian, you and I brought these exact same points up last week, and this is just confirming everything that we said. With little research to draw upon, no consensus among clinicians and confusing guidelines, Parents have differing explanations for what might have prompted their child's desire to identify as male. And this is what they're theorizing. Some point to puberty, periods, and unease with a changing body shape coinciding with the interest in becoming gender nonconforming. Others have questioned whether their child's autism may be a relevant factor. I thought that was kind of different. The I cash report, with the electrical wires. <clears throat> yeah. The cash report stated that approximately one-third of children and young people being referred to the Tavistock had autism or other types of neurodiversity. And others wondered if pre-existing signs of depression and mental health problems have been the cause or the result of gender uncertainty. Possible influences they cite include childhood bullying, sexual harassment and abuse, and the hypersexualization of society, or a child's early understanding of sexism, making them feel it may be easier to live as a man than as a woman. 
And finally, some believe the extended isolation that children experience during COVID is relevant. For example, Google searches for top surgery, double mastectomy have soared during this period. I found that to be uh, really extraordinary. Many are aware of online content that has educated their children about gender and of the influence of YouTubers, Tumblr accounts, and TikTok personalities where individuals' medical transitions are documented in detail. And then in parentheses, footage of recoveries from double mastectomies and phalloplasty uh, or bottom surgery has been watched by hundreds of thousands of these adolescents. So um, I think the theories about why such a surgence of, um, I don't know if you want to call it identity, recognition, I was going to say crisis, but I'm just going to say identity, true identity recognition has surged so much um, since 2015, but it'll be very interesting when they do publish their study report to find out um, what really is at the root of this surgence. I can't wait. So I will keep you informed. Thanks for listening. Lillian? I think it's very interesting. This week, uh, I have the Google News, whatever you want to call it, website that comes on. And on it, it's always little blocks of stories and you hit an arrow and it takes you over to the next one. And there was a story that came out of England about a young lady who's now in her 20s who went through a sex change when she was very young before she turned 12 and she had the blockers and she had a double mastectomy and she had her pubic hair removed and got all the things that she's ever wanted to be a male. And now in her twenties, she has decided she made a terrible mistake. And she should not have gone ahead and have all this surgery and blockers and medication done to her. And what she says or recommends, and with the information that I have researched this week, basically they're saying, A, talk to your parents. But even more important, parents know who you are because your gender identity with yourself will be translated or good word here transmorphed onto your children so i always tell my kids i'm a grandmother who stole a tomboy but they know i'm a woman and i enjoy being a woman but picture this, if I said to my grandkids, I'm a grandmother in spirit, but I look like your grandfather, we would have trouble with this. So one of the things she does suggest, and of course, she learned a lot from her regrets. And unfortunately, with surgery, yeah, you can go back 
and go have it done, but there's some things she can't get undone. Her voice is deeper because of the medication, the hormone therapy she took. She now looks like a man and it'll be very difficult for her to start all over again. Plus, as she points out, it's very hard on your body. Now, there hasn't been any studies on how the human body reacts to all this stuff being put on it or being operated on. But I would suspect that once you have it done, it's literally impossible really to turn yourself back the way you were. She cannot get rid of her deep voice. She cannot get rid of the way her body has flattened out and she has no hips, right? And she has the genitals of a male and she has no breasts. So she has to live with this for the rest of their life. I like watching Ink Master. And you're gonna say, what does that have to do with gender? Because when you get a tattoo put on your skin, you have it for the rest of your life. It is your decision, your choice. But most of the people who do that, most of them are in their late teens or early 20s, or they're drunk. But they're not getting it done when they're 11 years old or 12 years old. But they can't get it removed. And if they do, it's very, very painful. And that's the similarity I want you to remember. Once you have something done to your body, it's very difficult to alter it or to remove it. So, and the other thing that I have gotten from the articles I've read today is if your parent, for example, is bisexual and you have children, you do not have sex in front of the kids with your male partner. And the same thing is true if you're trans. You keep your behavior out of a young kid and a toddler. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, are very much aware of what goes on in their home environment. You will be surprised. My my brother taught me Scrabble, so we wouldn't have to listen to what was coming out of my parents' bedroom. Don't laugh. Small house, but we were involved in a game, so we didn't hear the ecstasy coming out from the bedroom. So neither he or I really got interested in being something that we were not. But I know that if your parents don't know who they are in terms of gender, chances are your children will not either because your children will follow what you are showing them and your behavior and how you act with your relationship with your significant other. So I wanted to share that story with you. The United States is the only country that mandates you have to be 18 or older to have the surgery. If you have a psychiatrist, who your young child is going to see and they diagnose your child with dysphoria, then they may put them on a regime of blockers and or hormones. But 
chances are it has to be a very extreme case for that to happen. They do not like to give them to kids until they're a lot older than 13 or 14. 14 is the acceptable age. Moving right along, now that you know about parents, a lot of parents who have trans kids usually now accept them for who they are, not so much for what they are. One parent said, I asked my toddler who she was, and she says, I'm a Mac truck, a Mac monster. The young lady in question is now 9, 10, and she's a tomboy. She identifies with boys. She dresses like her brothers. She plays sports, football, hockey, not the normal tame stuff like playing with dolls. She goes after the wrestling and the pushing and shoving that boys sometimes get involved in to establish their dominance or who is stronger. This particular mother is trans herself, so she's able to accept it. But she first had to decide who she was to make sure that her daughter understood that with every choice you make, there is a price to pay. And while most people may find that rather tough, there are a lot of things now in our society that is acceptable to transgender children did not exist 10, 15 years ago. So I thought I'd share with you some of the things I found. The first is an article from the New York Times on transgender parenting. And she, one of the parents in the study said that her daughter and this was echoed by other parents, was that the kids explored gender, both genders, boys and girls. And then they also explored the other genders because there are now programs targeted at young children by Disney with transgender and gay gender children or animated cartoons that have them behave the way all the other kids, a normal gender child behaves. So that these children are learning about transgender at a younger age. And unless you prohibit them from the internet or from the tablet or cell phone or TV, they will see these different types of gender. And they tell me, I don't know, I didn't experience anything in the 50s like this. I was born a girl and I pretty much knew that that's who I was going to be. You wore dresses and little white socks and bracelets and white gloves and little bags. And you copied your mother as much as possible because mother knew best. Get the father part. Mother knew best and she knew what was good for you. And that was all there was to it. And even though I liked rough sports, I was gently steered, kicking and screaming, into becoming a woman. That's just the way it was during the 50s and 60s. You didn't have much of a choice. But now there are choices. Young kids as toddlers make the comparison between the differences between boys and girls. 
boys have short hair, girls have long hair. Boys are strong, girls are weak. Well, we know that's not true. We know that sometimes girls are stronger than boys. Girls develop faster than boys. And depending whether your parents are into lifting weights or doing a lot of walking or swimming, a girl may have developed an upper set of muscles that young boys have not yet developed. Yes, when my son got to be a teen, he didn't like his weak arms, so he went to the coach at school. They told him what to buy. He went out. He bought barbells, and he started working out. Well, you'll see girls do the same thing now. Girls will start working out and get a body so they can compete in weightlifting, for example. That wasn't possible 10, 15 years ago. Girls didn't do that. But things have changed dramatically. Golly, I can remember when I was growing up, and you two probably do too. I mean, there was such um, a division between boys and girls. I remember being told my whole growing up years, girls aren't good in math. Boys are. Girls aren't good at science. Boys are because girls' brains weren't designed to be good at those kind of difficult tech, um, you know, left brain technological. Technological. And if you listen, even to Bridgerton, which is very infamous now, or to Downton Abbey, and you listen to the conversations that the men and the women have, Women were weak will. They needed a man to guide them and make their decisions for them because women were incapable of thinking for themselves. That's why you didn't send girls off to college. It was a waste of time. All she was going to do is get married and have children. And that was her career. That was her future. So while Many of you think going back in time would be very neat. Just remember this, ladies. If you go too far back in time, they'll burn you at the stake like they did Joan of Arc. It was not so much that she was a peasant, but she had the chutzpah to go pick out a king and then go to battle for the king. And that scared the living crap out of the medieval men. They didn't know how to deal with a strong woman who had a mind of her own and wouldn't take no for an answer. They burned for less in Salem when the men wanted their land. They have them hung as witches or burn them for being a strong woman. Just look at your history. And since lest we forget, it's based on history that keeps on being repeated it behooves you to pay attention to what is being said. S. Bear Bergen, who owns a transgen publishing company and publishes transgen books, said this, the most gender affirming thing you can do for your child is to listen. It is as simple as being to pick up and allowing them to buy their own clothes 
pick out what they want to wear every single time. And when you fill out a form, always, always ask them, what gender are you? Boy, girl, gay, lesbian, trans, binary. He said, and always ask them because they may change. They may say girl one year and then a year later say, oh, wait, I'm a lesbian. Yeah, that sounds right. I'm a lesbian. And then maybe a year or two later, no, no, I'm bi because I like both of them. So you have to make sure you go through this ritual with them every single time. And he advises parents, just remain curious about your kid's gender identity and their gender expression. Now, the books that were recommended for this was called The Transgender Family Handbook. And it's a guidebook for the rest of the normal people who are not trans of how to have a relationship with their trans kids without making any faux pas, which in French means mistakes. All right. I looked through it. It's pretty explicit and it tells you exactly what you need to know because when your kid hits teenagehood and starts growing all over his body for example their whole behavior and their emotional system changes and it's a very delicate time even if you have a normal child i had a normal child and he was a boy most of the time I had to send him to his gym teacher because there were just some things I really couldn't explain to him. Some things I did with embarrassment written all over my face because when I was growing up, I was just handed a Coldex box. So things have changed drastically from the 50s. The other kind is What Helped Me Through My Transition. It's a book about if your kid's going through a transgender identity, the kind of things they need to know before it happens so they can handle it, as they say, with a plum, meaning that they'll be able to handle it without losing their mind, maybe threatening suicide. When I was a kid, everybody hates me. Nobody likes me. I'm going into the garden to eat some worms. If you hear that coming out of your kid's mouth, get them to a medical professional immediately because a lot of transgen kids do commit suicide because they're not getting the proper mental health help that they require. And the last one is a shopping guide for trans youth. And I went through the shopping guide and I'm going to give you some ideas of how you can help your children buy clothing in case you don't know how to do that. Now, Vanessa Ford, a parent of a young girl who's a trans child, had wanted a bathing suit for her new personality, which was male. And so she did some digging, and these are some of the things that she found out. So if you have a transgen 
boy or girl, here are some ideas for you to look up for clothing and beauty products that will help them. And because there are more girls apparently who are wanting to be boys than boys being girls at the moment, please pay attention. If you want a list of what I'm mentioning today, just text me at 484-364-1032. Give me your name and email address, and I'll give you the list of places that you can go take a look at. I did not include any prices because prices change in today's inflation market. So for example, if the first thing you have to think about is hand-me-downs, inexpensive stores, and thrifting, both IRL and online. Now, for children's sizes 14 and below, the retailer's number one primary is for little kids. Corrid is women's shoes up to size 13, and Demonia Ranger boot. And Demonia has different shoes. Their boot look pretty good. They also have t-shirts. Now, there are local LGBTQIA plus centers, which is a nexus for clothing donations. And she suggested that parents should go look for these donation centers. Oh, there she is. Yeah, I have a tendency to disappear from time to time. Uh, excuse me, my internet station is unstable. So let's continue. All right, they also have t-shirts. Then 90% of the clothing come out of a place called Out of the Closet. And then there are secondhand marketplaces like Depop, D-E-P-O-P, ThreadUp, I've been over there, it's very good, and eBay. You can find some good clothing on eBay. And yes, Poshmark. It's like anything else, when you go thrifting, you have to have a good eye for what you want. If you know what you want, you should be able to find it. E.R. Anderson, a trans man, who runs out of chorus books and more in Decatur, Georgia, says that his number one budget tip is to make you feel like a million dollars if you're a masculine person, even if you do wear that suit around your bedroom. So what he's telling you is to go out and buy what you want, take it to a tailor, have it custom fitted to you, and even if you don't have enough guts to wear it out in reality, wear it around your apartment, in your bedroom, around the neighborhood, any place where you feel safe. And these places will make you feel a lot better. Then they have transformation, swimwear and underwear. One of the places is called Tuck It To. Let's see, Tuck It To up, T-U-C-K-I-T-U-P-P-P. And it's tucking underwear, and you can also use it as a bathing suit. It's designed with gentle fabrics and comes in all sorts of colors. And then you can also get a, something called a tuck kit. You can find it on Amazon. It's called the Unlockable Tuck Kit. 
Then another store is La Apparel for high cut panties, the sports bra, Target and Dillard's, and apparently Calvin Klein comes in very, very heavily here. Tom Box is high quality apparel and underwear for all genders and body types, including flat front boxers, tucking underwear, and leak-proof period boxer shorts. Now, I know that NYX now has leak-proof underwear pants and leak-proof sweatpants, but it can also handle menstruation in case you're at that stage and you haven't gotten your hormone blockers yet. Another place is Origami, O-R-I-G-A-M-I Customs, and it retails for underwear and swimwear, sizes up to five extra large. They have custom sizing for free and have a detailed gender affirming fit guide. So if you're changing your body and you no longer know what your measurements are, they have a guide that can help you. And they suggest using one of those fabric 12 inch, uh, 36 inch um, measuring tapes. So you can measure your body and get the exact sizes. Women can tell you that's what they spend their life doing anyway. So, and I'm sure when you become a boy, you won't have any hips, your body will become a little more elongated. So you won't have all that extra fat that a woman carries around because eventually she gets pregnant. That's another story. All right. So they also have binders and there are two types. There's the cloth binders, which you can put around you to flatten your breasts. That's what they're for. But I understand they're very uncomfortable and you can't wear them longer than one day. Otherwise, you get aches and pains in your shoulders and your back and your lower back and pains down your leg. So what they now have are called tapes. And the tape is a lot better trans tape. And you bind it around your breasts, but it doesn't do any of the stuff with the pain in the shoulders. In fact, you can wear it for several days and be just fine. Then you have for beauty care. Again, Calvin Klein's Eternity apparently is a cologne that goes over very well with girls who want to be boys. Apparently it's the Pied Panther and just brings them in. Then for makeup, Elf and NYX, and apparently the Charlotte Tilbury Color Corrector which you can find at Nordstrom or Sephora. For Emu Kids, Black Moon Cosmetics, you can buy yourself some black lipstick and lip smacker lip balms, which come in a package of four, and apparently they're very, very good. Then you also have, you can get laser hair removal. So if you want to remove the hair, whether it's pubic hair or your mustache or wherever else you grow hair, you can use laser hair or you can use electrolysis. I watched my mother get electrolysis for 25 years and it's very, very painful. So 
spare yourself the electrolysis. There is also a YAG laser for dark skin people. You can use brow gel on your facial hair. Apparently it gets rid of it very satisfactory within a couple of weeks. CeraVe moisturizing is good for dry skin because the medication and the hormonal treatment you receive makes your skin very, very dry. And for acne problems, panoxyl acne foaming wash is recommended very high. If you have ingrown hairs, the ordinary 7Y glossolic acid and topical faded serum apparently works very, very well. And also the for dark spots and discoloration, use the topical faded serum. So this should give you an idea, parents, of where you can go and where you can obtain these items for your trans child. Like I said, this kind of stuff was not available for any of the baby boomers, but it certainly is available now. And if you're going to support your child or adolescent or teen in their decision, they all go through the change. And you're all going to have to deal with acne, oily faces, dry faces, mixed oil and mixed dry hair, eyebrows, whether to get them waxed or thread, and whether you're going to have the hair removed off the chin. My son grew, started growing a mustache when he was nine years old. And he started shaving by the time he was 10. And he went to school with tissues all over his cheeks because his cheeks were still, well, he was still a baby. But Different blood yields different results and your maturity. And he matured very, very young for his age. So I hope this helps you. Betsy, comments, opinions? Yes, hi, good to be back. Um, yes, I have a couple of cute stories. <laughs> when Josh was, Josh will be 39 next month. And when he was, I'm going to say five or six, and he went to a neurologist. The neurologist said, Josh, what would you like to be when you grow up? And Josh said, a man. <laughs> and the neurologist said, well, that's good because now you have a choice. That was back over 30 years ago. And the doctor said that. Uh, we were in Target a couple of weeks ago, beginning of June. And Josh said, uh, he pointed out the transgender section, the Pride uh, Month section. I walked by it. I was oblivious. I didn't even notice it. But I don't know what the big deal is. It's a little section that they have a, some clothes. They have some arts and crafts. You know, people, if you don't like it, you walk by it. I mean, it didn't offend me any. Um, I was going to take a picture, but I know Target would appreciate that. Uh, I want to get in trouble. But, I mean, I just didn't see the big deal about it. And neither did Josh. Um, I will say that, and, and the last time I was on, lest we forget, uh, my personal opinion is if I had a child that wanted to change their sex, I would have them wait till they were 18 or 21. Make sure it's what they want. 
because we, you're a guy and you get your genitals cut off. Can't get that back on. Same thing with a woman. You get your breast taken off. Not going to be able to, well, you might be able to get false, you know, implants if you're a woman with, with your breast. Uh, it's quite different with the man's um, genitalia. Uh, make sure. And hormones do have side effects. It's a known fact. I can tell you my personal experience when I had surgical uh, menopause at the age of 38 and I took hormones for a while and I had a lot of side effects from that. When Josh was um, younger, he had to get hormone shots to jumpstart his puberty. He was way behind. He became moody. He broke out with acne. There were side effects. So I can only imagine what puberty blockers do to a body. There are side effects with that. It could affect your bones. Uh, when women who have endometriosis and they take hormones to start their menstrual cycle, it affects their bones. And I wouldn't want my child to take that unless they were absolutely 100% sure. And we all know, especially we were teenagers at one time, that teenagers go through different phases. And now I think they're more open to experiment. Some people go by, you know, they're non-binary or they're fluid. One day they might want to be a boy or a girl. Maybe one day they think they're gay or think they're transgender. Um, they want to explore the sexuality. That was not opened when I grew up. I grew up in the 60s and 70s. Uh, people thought I was a lesbian because I had short hair and I didn't have a boyfriend. But I wasn't, but that's what they thought. I didn't care. Think whatever you want. <laughs> that's how I feel, especially now. Uh, you know, and we knew, like I knew of people who were gay, but it just wasn't um, talked about. It was more secret, you know, like at this day in the closet. But it's more brought out now. And I think younger people are not afraid to experiment with their sexuality or with their gender. But I would highly recommend make sure, you know, if you're a young person listening, make sure that's what you really want. But wait, because if you, what's the big deal if you wait till you're 18? You could always have that surgery done. You could, but once you get it done, there's no going back. So it's not like getting your hair dyed. You know, you don't like the colors. Of course, you can recolor your hair. Not the same with your body parts. So I would suggest be very sure. You know, if you want to take your child to um, for mental health, that's fine. Um, and I highly recommend that. Taking your child, if they talk about suicide or they say they're depressed, don't ignore it. Don't tell them, oh, snap out of it, like I was told, take them for help. And I was the black sheep of my family because I bucked the trend. I was the one in my family who brought mental health out to the open. I'm the one at 16, that was 1974, who wanted to go for help. That was shunned back then. And I was made fun of and I was called names. Ironically, my sister went for therapy later. And then of course it was cool. It was the end thing to do. And I said how I felt. I called abuse, abuse. 
we have to have open communication with our children. You don't have to agree with your child's lifestyle, but don't shut your line of communication open with your children. Let them come to you. Let them vent to you. Once you close off that communication, you know where they're going to go to? They're going to go to people you don't want them going to. They're going to go out and seek advice that's not going to be great advice. And I am really happy that I have a close relationship with Josh. I did not want the type of relationship I had with my parents. I know my parents loved me best they could. I know what environment they came from. So as an adult, I understand that now. But when your child comes to you and says, I have a problem, don't put your head in the sand and ignore it. Pay attention. Pay attention to the signs. Are they being in their room? Are they isolating themselves? Look for eating disorders. That's a whole nother show. Um, and I interviewed, I think two years ago, I think her name was Ashley Cooper. She has uh, a son who's transgender at a young age. He wanted to wear dresses. And she wrote a book. I think the name of the book is My Sister Sam. I will have to look it up and put it in the uh, blog note uh, of that book. And it was a very interesting conversation. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, she let her son be who he wanted to be. He was comfortable in girls' clothing, and that's what she uh, put him in. And, of course, that was kind of hard to explain to the other children, but they accepted their brother dressing in uh, girl clothing. An interesting observation, when I worked in a preschool, you know, boys are more rough. Uh, there are girls that were rough, of course, but usually we see the boys with the car crashes playing, you know, with guns. And girls were more the nurturing and with the dolls. Of course, it was of your exception. But I remember two boys in particular. They loved putting on the girl costumes. And even one said, oh, I'm a princess. I love being a princess. We didn't discourage them. We let them do what they did. Um, and not that we were promoting that. We just let them be. And I just think we have to accept our children for who they are, um, even though we may not like it or agree with it. I can't, it, it can't even enter my mind why a parent would disown their child because of who they love or who they are. I don't get that as a parent. I don't, you know, it wouldn't matter to me who Josh loved. He's my son. I will love him no matter what. And I'm really glad that Josh is comfortable and coming to me and telling me things. And when I was younger, <laughs> even as an adult, I always wondered what it was like to be a guy. I thought, oh, guys have it easy. They don't have their cycles or menopause. <laughs> and Matt, my husband, was funny. He would say, yeah, but you don't know what it's like putting up with you women <laughs> at that time. <laughs> it was funny. Um, but I think that's all that I have to say today. Thank you, uh, Lisa and Lillian, for uh, your research. It's very interesting. I think more people are out in the open about their gender, about experimenting. It was always that way. Look at David Bowie. David Bowie in the 70s was 
uh, in makeup and uh, was in uh, women's clothing. And when the first time I saw him on a show, I didn't know if he was a man or a woman. Uh, I think David Bowie had a very beautiful face for a man, but he was androgynous, I guess they called it at that time. Uh, but he would be in either men's clothing or women's clothing. That was in the 70s. That was new for that time. And um, in the music business, why is it more acceptable for a gay man, but not a lesbian? Why is it that the lesbians who were musicians had to be more quiet about their sexuality, but a man doesn't? Everybody knew who was gay as far as male singers were. It wasn't announced, but you knew. Um, they tried to cover it up. Some of them got married for appearance sake. But, you know, you, you knew. And, you know, what's the, I don't know, what's the big deal? If I like someone's music, I'll buy it. I don't care what they are. Uh, but that's my opinion. And that's what I have to say. So thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you one and all for listening to today's program. You can listen to this program, Hall Oregon, on youtube.com forward slash PWR Network Underland PW Talk Radio, facebook.com forward slash Cool Your Heels, facebook.com forward slash Passionate World Radio, linkedin.com forward slash Lillian Caldwell slash Lest We Forget, and also on the website, https colon forward slash forward slash passionate world talk radio.com you can reach me at pwr network llc at gmail.com and you can reach lisa skinner at dementia whisperer and the number one at gmail.com and you can reach betsy wurzel at Sloan, S-L-O-A-N, Betsy, B-E-T-S-Y, 31 at gmail.com. Next week is the last week of the month. And because it's also National Alzheimer's Month, Betsy Wurzel, Lisa Skinner, who are the two experts, Truth, Lies, and Alzheimer's, Betsy's book, and Betsy, uh, excuse me, Lisa's book, and Betsy Wurzel, who did a year's program on caregiving for dementia, for Alzheimer's, dementia, and Parkinson's, will be talking about the Alzheimer's and things that you need to be aware of. And I will be the one who makes the comments this time. So if you have anything you would like to add, please email one of the ladies, Lisa Skinner, or Betsy Sloan, or even I, and let us know what you want and what you want to hear. This program, lest we forget, is for you, the listeners, with a call to action to do something about history. So instead of having it repeat itself for the next 1,000 years, we stop it cold in its tracks with lest we forget. Thank you very much for listening. Have a great week. We'll see you next Friday at 3 p.m. Thanks, everybody.